again and welcome back to Triple Play. This is Scotty Hatter. I'm joined by Mike Dietz and Michael Cruz this time around. Russ is still in recovery mode because he pulled a Federer, although albeit not on clay, and uh, tore himself up a little bit. Thinking about you, buddy, hoping you're still recovering. And it was a good little spill, so he's definitely not calling in sick. Couldn't play injured this time, but we'll take one for him and, and see how we can do. On this episode, we've got MLB in their own sticky situation. Ben Simmons, maybe the ball stuck on his hand. We'll have racing with Cruz as we take a left turn. And I actually watched a race. We can talk about Will Power getting stuck at the starting line. There were right turns also. Don't forget. There you go. And we'll hit up the U.S. Open where Bryson DeChambeau got stuck in his own head, hitting eight over on the back nine to close it out. Gentlemen, how goes it? Good, man. Good, man. I'm in Houston right now and uh, got quite the storm out here. So as long as the power stays on at the hotel, I'll, I'll be good to go. I think you'll be all right. Houston's uh, generally prepared for that. Kind of used to just, that kind of thing. Just yeah, the, just the ice that we can't handle. That's <laughs> none of us in Texas can handle that. <laughs> you, you guys down in Texas have had like the uh, craziest weather patterns over the last six months or so, huh? Dietzman, you're loading a real strain on your infrastructure. The, the energy company sent out notices a week ago saying that it was now too hot. Yep. It's not even yep. 100. And yep. it's almost <laughs> July. So that'll, yep. that'll get you. Whatever. I saw and a I, news story. I saw a news story that uh, people with smart thermostats that like opted into some kind of sweepstakes. The electric company was raising their, you know, the temperature not, in their house. I, I didn't think that was a secret. Like I didn't, we've got, we've got nests at our place and I didn't think that was a secret. Like I, they, I've been getting those since last year about like energy rush hours where, yeah, they'll raise the temperature. Now, if you go and you touch and you adjust the temperature after they, after they adjust it, it, you, you kind of opt out of it if you will. But yeah, you have to, most people sign up for it because, Oh, it's like, Oh, I get a rebate or I get some cheaper, you know, electricity is cheaper. And they just, nobody reads the fine print and just checks the box. So people are acting like it's a big deal. I'm like, uh, kind of <laughs> knew about that guys. Like, yeah, should pay attention when you sign up for a discount. Well, speaking of people <laughs> who should have paid attention, it seems like major league baseball's pretending like pine tar and rosin are new to the conversation. Um, got to be going on the better part of a decade with this being an issue. This is a little bit of a, of a comeback conversation for us. Dietzman. we talked about the low batting averages. Interestingly, we didn't, we didn't hit on uh, grip as much at the time, right? We talked about a lot of things that, that need to change. Uh, interesting. The MLBs attacking the tack as it were. Yeah. Mike and I were talking a little bit about this before we came on air. And I think, you know, his point was that it's it's odd that it's happening mid-season, which I think opens a whole new can of worms because with any major sport, it's always like, well, there's nothing we can do about it now because we're playing with the rules that we started the season at. So that's first and foremost is that I think you're going to have a lot less standing in the future if something does pop it up. But I just, I just, I think, and I say this about baseball all the time and it's, it's hard being a baseball fan because it just seems like the whole situation has been mismanaged. You had, you had the rumblings about this for a couple of years now. I mean, Trevor Bauer, who's supposedly suspect, you know, a, in this investigation and the guy that everybody is hoping is, is going to get brought down from this has been relatively transparent about what he's been going out and doing and what other people have been going out and doing. And he's just kind of jumping on the, on the train. And it seems like rather than just 
maybe handling this discreetly in the off season and talking with some of these guys who are willing to talk. I mean, if you're willing to post on Twitter, I have to imagine that you'd be willing to talk to the MLB office um, or, or some of these guys and, and, and trying to come up with something that would be universal that everybody could use fairly, that the hitters weren't overly suspect of and the pitchers felt like gave them enough grip on the ball without giving them a significant advantage to their RPM and spin rates. You know, MLB's decided to, A, they said, well, we're not going to punish anybody. We're just going to collect baseballs all season and see how bad it is, which gave pitchers carte blanche to just do whatever they wanted because they didn't think they were going to get punished. And then here we are two and a half months into the season, and now we're doing these checks. I don't know if you guys saw the highlights of Max Scherzer, who looked thoroughly impressed getting checked out today during his start. But, you know, it just seems like the whole thing's been mismanaged, and now it's now it, I think it's a bigger issue than what it would have been if you just would have taken some time in the off season to talk to these guys and understand what they were trying to do, how many guys were using it and just implement something universal. I mean, they already let them use rosin. It's on the mound. The guys have been mixing rosin and sunscreen rosin and other substances for years. So why not just put something out there that they can, they can just apply it in full view of everyone. You know, I mean, the, 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 the thing that just drives me nuts about baseball is everything's a horribly kept secret, right? Like whenever something comes up, whether it's PEDs or even the sign stealing or now onto the sticky stuff, everybody you talk to is like, well, it's the worst kept secret in baseball that these guys are doing this. It's like, why does that always happen to these guys? Why does it always happen to MLB? That's incredibly frustrating. Yeah, and, and I agree with you. I think there's so much technology available in the game, right? And, and we're, we'll talk about golf a little bit later, but golf goes through this issue at times as well, the, where, where the equipment starts to uh, overtake what the courses are built for, right? It, it happens every so often. There's breakthroughs in equipment, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, we either got to change the layout of the courses or we got to put measures on the equipment. Um, and they put measures on the equipment. They put limits on, on what's able to be done. There's so much technology out there where you're measuring spin rate. How long would it take to get a machine to just keep throwing curveballs and keep throwing sliders with different substances out there and just say, Hey, we want to cap our spin rate at X. And what, I mean, how long would it take a week, right? Like you want to make a change mid season. I mean, do it at the all-star break. You I mean, wouldn't, you wouldn't even need, you wouldn't even need machines. You just give it to these guys that are in these pitching labs and extended spring training and guys that are rehabbing from injuries. I mean, all totally. of these, all these sports science clinics that have popped up over the last 10 years that are using these high definition, slow-mo cameras that, that, you know, measure not only the spin rates, but they also take high def slow motion videos of the releases and they show pictures basically what's happening at the point of release so they can vary their finger placement, pressure, substances to see, you know, what, what kind of effects it's having. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think absolutely. I think you could, you could spend a couple of weeks doing something very easily and determining, Hey, here's something that sends this, this let's say spider tack, cause that's the hot buzzword right now. That's the, that's the thing that apparently everybody's using. Here's the RPM that, Spider tack puts on an average guy's curveball. Here's what rosin and sunscreen does. Here's what, you know, a bullfrog does, which is, you know, kind of the 
the the slang term for that and and you could just you could determine is 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 this is this too much you could you could figure out how much more does a curveball break if it's thrown at x amount of miles per hour with this much spin rate you could figure all this stuff out so yeah it's frustrating that they'll use the technology to improve as individuals but the sport seems reluctant to employ it in terms of i don't know managing the games and trying to like rein in um you know, rein it in. And, and I understand people that say, well, just, you know, let them use whatever they want because hitters can use whatever they want too. I mean, a hundred years ago, guys weren't wearing batting gloves. They weren't, you know, they weren't using these, uh, bat grips, the lizard skins. I don't know if you guys have ever used one of those things, but I mean, that's, you don't even need batting gloves if you got one of those on the bat. So it's like, there's, there's, there's so much inconsistency applied across it. And then, when something does happen, it always seems like it's a knee jerk reaction to the conditions of the sport at the time. Oh, home runs are way up because we allowed guys to do steroids for 10 years. Well, we're going to have to cut that out. And by the way, we're going to cut out any kind of recovery substance known to man, even though you might be able to buy it at GNC because that could give you a benefit. Oh, strikeouts are way up. Offense is way down. We're going to ban any kind of substance on the ball whatsoever you know, now pitchers are going to have to go out there and essentially retrain themselves how to throw their breaking stuff on the fly without, you know, having an adequate time to, to adjust to using nothing. And yeah, maybe they shouldn't have been doing it to begin with, but I think that's relatively naive because in every sport, every professional sport at the highest levels, everyone's doing whatever they can to get, uh, to, to try to get as much of a competitive advantage as they can, even, even things that are outside of the quote unquote rule book, if they're generally accepted, guys are able to do that. Whether it's, you know, putting your knee into the guy that's posting you up in the NBA so that he can't, you know, pivot off his good pivot leg. I mean, technically that's a foul, but guys do that all the time. Um, whether it's, you know, jamming guys at the line of scrimmage uh, a little bit longer um, in terms of not letting them get their release as a wide receiver, technically might be defensive holding, happens on every play, whatever. So, I mean, there's always things that are outside the the written rules of the game that happen all the time, and guys will continue to do that. So it's, it's, it's frustrating when this kind of overreaction comes in, and now you've got a situation where any pitcher that goes out and has a bad start or a bad couple of starts, they're going to assume that he was cheating beforehand. Any, any guy that comes out and, you know, uh, gets suspended for something, they're going to assume that he was using spider tack when maybe all it was, was just a, maybe he's just got an old dirty hat or something like that. I mean, pitchers hit in the national league. Are they allowed to use pine tar on their, on their hands if they go up to bat and then they have to wash themselves off to a certain degree. It's, it's, it's too much in my opinion. And I think that it, it it's one of these things where MLB realizes way too late that something's a big problem and then um, completely overreacts and makes the whole situation look worse. And now you have pitchers and hitters essentially at each other's throats and, you know, nobody really agreeing with how MLB's decided to handle it. Well, and one other thing too, I think that compounds it a little bit for MLB is not just that they want to say, you know, I like your idea of, Take the substances, do tests. We this can all be very scientific at this point. But you also run in the situation where they're changing the baseball every year, you know, to, to, to combat other issues or to try to combat the same thing. And so, you know, if the baseball changes, then does that you do have to reevaluate the levels of sticky stuff that you allow them to use? So 
part of it is that I think not only did they get into situations where they tend to what looks like overreact or maybe just flat out is overreacting to situations, they don't, it doesn't allow them to be methodical about changes. There's 10 things changing at the same time. So you can't evaluate what to what degree one change is making versus the other. And then now you get into these situations where, well, we would just swung way too far in one direction. And so there's probably going to be 10 changes to go back and it's going to swing too far in the other direction. It's hard. And I get it. It's hard to be, it's hard to be measured when you're looking at offensive lows, the likes of which, you know, some teams have never seen before. It's hard to be measured in that when you just know this is a very bad spot for baseball, if it's not entertaining and you're losing even the hardcore fans, but yeah, I, I, they, they're, they're in a, they're caught in a cycle right now and it's going to be really hard for them to break out of it in a good way. So I guess they I don't take, really have an answer to that, but <laughs> they didn't take any of our suggestions. No, we already talked about this. Yeah. Right. And we, we had some, some actual legitimate suggestions, right. <laughs> but you can go back a couple of shows. We, we used to say way back in the day, right. After, after a TCU football game, that uh, if the offensive coordinators were just listening to our show, that there wouldn't have been a problem. Right. Like, it always um, feel, they, why does it always feel like it's our offensive coordinators? Well, if they just would, been, right? would have run the naked bootleg then they would have been <laughs> absolutely fine. Right. That was the, the running joke for forever. But in all seriousness, there's a lot of things they could do. Um, this was the easiest and probably most political option. Right. Like that's an interesting route to take um, of, of all the options available. Um, and, you know, again, I think, yeah, it, baseball has become so just adherent to, I think the public relations tide right over the past few years that, that that's, what's creating a lot of these kind of knee jerk reactions after nothing, right? It's, it's weird to call it a knee jerk reaction when you do nothing for 10 years, right? When you just sit on information and then pull the trigger, it's weird to call it knee jerk, but at the same time it is right. They've had an insane amount of time to make decisions and for you know, a sport that needs to significantly change the entertainment value. The, the one thing that we did have this year was maybe you were going to chase a no hitter record. And, and now you're just going to still average teams hitting 250 and not have no hitters. Yeah. Right. I know, but you're not going to fix either thing. You're still, right. teams are still going to hit 250 or two, you know, 40. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, and, and the, and the pitching is going to get worse. So you have simultaneously not addressed the problem and made your product worse overnight, which again, seems like an interesting take. Well, and I think, you know, I mean, even hard, hard, hard for me to even do this here, but I'm going to, I'm going to defend MLB umpires for a little bit here too, is you're asking them to do something that really they shouldn't be doing either, which is legislating something out of the game, which should have been done. Um, in a much better fashion. Right. So, you know, yeah, you're having these mandatory checks. Um, you know, umpires are going to have to use their discretion on what is an illegal substance and what isn't. I mean, I just mentioned the, the example of an NL pitcher having pine tar somewhere on him. If he, if he, if he has pine tar on his batting gloves and he wipes his Jersey and slides into a base while he's running the bases, then he has dirt and pine tar mixed on his jersey. Is that an ejectable def- 
offense or does the umpire physically have to see him going to that location to, to do it again? Like these things are all incredibly blurry. There's no real guidelines. I don't think the umpires want to eject anybody. Teams still aren't asking for mandatory checks. I think at this point, because you know, I, they're doing them randomly as it is. And when pitchers leave the games, but you know, are we going to get into a situation? You, you know how it was before. If anybody asked to check your guy, then the team would just check the next check the other team's guy. And you just have this kind of back and forth thing. So again, it's just, it's just not creating a very good product anymore. And it wasn't a good product to begin with. So then you're just kind of, you're just kind of eroding it even further. And of all the things that they could have done to do something mid season, they pick this, which is just crazy to me. I mean, why not, why not institute the universal DH and say, you know what, we, we didn't collectively bargain this at the beginning of the year, but offense is way down. NL teams are going to get the DH. It's better for players. It's better for pitchers. You know, it's, it's better for entertainment value. Um, I mean, there, there's, there's so many other things that they could have went with. They decided to go for this. And I just, I think it's such a small part of what's going on in the current, uh, you know, pitching heavy environment in MLB right now. It's not that guys have been able to use the sticky stuff and suddenly they're throwing you know, other, other worldly breaking balls. They were already being able to do that based on the technology that had come up that allowed them to study their release points and to better understand their grips and all of these things. The sticky stuff was just kind of a, an add on where guys were experimenting with it to try to get a little, little bit extra. The issue is still that guys are throwing 98 miles an hour with a 91 mile an hour slider. You can take, 200 RPMs off of that slider guys are still going to miss it because it's just nasty and it, it's not going to move the needle enough. It's not going to move the needle to the point where teams are suddenly hitting 275 and you're, you're seeing, you know, seven to 10 runs scored consistently a game. They've already been looking for this stuff for a month and offense has marginally ticked up. And that's probably mostly due to the fact that the weather's warmed up. So it's just, it's just crazy to me. And And now we've got this whole narrative of, 2021 being the sticky stuff season and you know all those guys that threw those no hitters now are going to be looked at suspect because they did it before the the ban and i think that's unfortunate too because there's just there's no real evidence that they were using anything and certainly anything that would have been deemed illegal had another team asked asked to check them in the moment yeah well we will we will see how they choose to handle it clearly to your point Beats man, I don't think anybody is siding with MLB on this one. So we'll see where where it goes from there. This is clearly not the final answer, um, and and they've got a long way to go. So um, anyway, from MLB, we will send a copy of our previous show. You can make actual adjustments to your game, and we'll see where it goes from there. Um, for once, I am one of three people who have actually watched the NBA playoffs. <laughs> yes. So we get to talk some basketball. Um, unfortunately for, 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 for Dietz's area, um, right. Sorry. Fortunately for, for Dietz's area, there's, there's a, a new King of the East uh, so far. Um, and also fortunately for me, just because I love watching James Harden eat crow, the bucks <laughs> were able to take out, uh, take out the nets um, and, and I wrote a little preview of, of my opinions on, on Facebook this week. Um, but I think 
you know, ML, uh, MLB, NBA has got to hate this because now your Easter conference finals are Atlanta and Milwaukee, which is probably not what the rating czars would have wanted. Um, but I will I'm say sure they're, I'm sure they're ecstatic basketball. for a, for a Phoenix Milwaukee finals. If that's what ends up happening, <laughs> they're probably just sitting there rubbing their hands together, looking for that. Oh yeah. Windfall of cash. No, I yeah, did. I, I watched, it, I watched game seven of that series. Um, admittedly, I thought that we were, you know, my group of friends was going to watch the Brewer game, but they were going concurrently. So I was able to watch both kind of at the same time. So I did, uh, I did catch a game. Bucks are undefeated when I watch them uh, this year. You know, I wanted, uh, I, I did not in any way want Brooklyn to win the series, except for the tiny bit of me that wanted uh, the trade grade conversation to, <laughs> to come back up for everybody's. Oh, Houston won that trade. Did they though? I mean, did they, I kind of, I, re- I really was hoping, uh, that was my own, the only reason I had any sort of like, Oh, I want, I want Brooklyn to win, but they, they were certainly not likable in the, you know, Oh, we're, we're buying, you know, bringing in a talent, that whole form your super team here, go win a championship sort of mode. But, it was nice to see Milwaukee get over the hump, too. Yeah, I mean, I think I don't uh, know. I don't know what you guys are talking about because they've been they've they're not over the hump. They've been on this hump. Well, for, OK, you're you're right. Straight years. You're right. But it felt like they they would have lost that game seven in the past. And and maybe and I was going I was almost going to say, like, because D'Antoni has been on the staff for Brooklyn and it's like. And Steve Nash spent enough time with him that they're just following the policy of just ride your stars into the ground. Like I'm pretty sure Durant and Harden played the entire game. And, but then on the other side, Budenholzer wasn't doing much different. I mean, and I, and I suppose to a certain extent too, when you're in the playoffs, it's like, listen, you, you ride with your stars. Like that's you get, you, you got, you, you win with who got you there. And that's what they were doing. I'm, I'm used to, you know, my last championship experience is beautiful game Spurs in 2014, where it was all about the bench and sharing. And there was no real, I mean, you still had your three superstars, but there was no, well, superstar, sorry, that's probably a bit much, but you still had your three stars, but it wasn't anything like now where you just throw the guys out there for 40, 48 minutes and what happens happens, you know, fatigue be damned. But anyhow, it was all that to say, it was nice to see, nice to see Milwaukee win that game. And it was fun to watch Atlanta uh, beat the process. And uh, that's that's getting real interesting up there in Philly with with Ben Simmons. I'm not quite sure how that's going to go, but it's uh, I think a lot of a lot of that is in his head. I mean, all of it's in his head, really, at this point. If you're not going to take a wide open dunk in the fourth quarter of game seven, clearly this is in your head now. So that'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But Scotty, since you you've been watching all along, what uh, what's what's got you going on the NBA playoffs? Look, I. We're probably not going to talk about the West at all, even though, even though you you definitely have a star rising in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. It doesn't quite work out the way it should with the the pun there, but it it, it, it's all right. Um, Devin Booker's a stud, so we can we can hit on that in a second. But um, and and I did call out the CP3 benefit there as part of the hardened trade grade conversations. Um, So I'm going to take a little bit of a, a, a a small bow for that one as well, but. In the net series, um, look, I am one not surprised at all um, that the Nets made it to this point and then didn't finish it off. 
Um, and without putting too much like of my personal feelings on it, realistically, you have Kevin Durant coming off of one of the more difficult injuries to recover from and not playing basketball for a very long time. The fact that he made it this far is flat impressive, right? And the think, fact that he wasn't the problem is totally, flat that's impressive. what I'm saying. Yeah. And, and flat impressive. But at the same time, like you don't just take that much time off. You just, you just don't. Um, and you know, 50 minutes in a game would take everything out of anybody. Um, but I mean, he was obviously done that said, I don't remember the time of Ky- that Kyrie's actually made it through the playoffs. I don't remember a single season where he made it through the playoffs. I think even the year they won it in Cleveland, he missed decent time. I, I really don't think he made it through that entire postseason. So that's not surprising. And that's just a physical thing. I'm not even talking about, you know, his mental state. And, and I'm not going to touch on that too much because there may actually be something there. Right. Um, and then Harden, you know, says, well, I haven't, you know, miss any playoff time or forever. And so it hurts doing this dude. That's what you get for showing up 20 pounds overweight and not working out a single minute in the off season. Like we've seen it a thousand times in the NFL. These guys hold out. They don't work out. What's the first thing that happens when they come back and go to training camp, soft tissue injury every time. Oh, so-and-so was out for six weeks as a holdout first day of camp mm, strained, strained calf muscle every single time. So the fact that, Harden was dealing with a hamstring injury for basically the last quarter of the season really shouldn't surprise anybody because again, I mean, one physically he showed up way out of weight and you don't get to play yourself into weight in the, in the NBA. Yes. He dropped pounds, but he's not picking up conditioning when that's happening. And then he missed 20 games going into the playoffs, right? So he's not in good shape. And then two, right? Yeah. You're taking a little bit of karma on that one, buddy. Right. When you quit on your team to force a trade, I don't feel bad for you at all. Right. And, and, and when your body then quits on you, uh, I'm not surprised. I will say this. Milwaukee deserves a ton of credit because uh, they actually did make significant adjustments throughout that series to go after weak spots. And they were given plenty. Right. With, with Harden and Kyrie both going down. But they they did their job. Right. And they actually went after weak spots. And you talk about, you know, riding the hand that gets you there. Uh, Drew Holiday, you know, had an amazing series. And he's not the guy that, like, you're expecting to, to rely on. And, and, you know, even Brooke Lopez, you know, made his, his presence felt. And so I really want to t- tip the hat to Milwaukee a little bit, too, because, you know, they're bucking the kind of trio conversation. They pay Giannis and Middleton a ton. They make a lot of money. But then nobody else on that team makes stupid money, right? PJ Tucker is doing PJ Tucker things. Drew holiday can hit a bucket and can handle the ball. He's a true point guard. And you know, Lopez, when he needs to actually be a rim defender can still do it because there's a need for it in the NBA once every 20 minutes, right? There's actually a need there. So, you know, it, it was the other thing that was good to see for me is that you got to see what happens when a good basketball team plays good basketball and wins. And, and I don't think there's anything wrong with was celebrating that. Um, and if I get to pour a little salt into the James Harden leaving Houston thing, you know, awesome. I'll, I'll take that one too. Um, on the, on the, on the Sixer side, you know, look, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to misquote, but there's a, there's an old sports night episode that, you know, is talking about 
um, I think the NBA draft and, and the anchors are going back and forth. And one of the anchors just keeps saying, you know, no, they're not getting drafted. Why? Cause he can't shoot, but so-and-so and so he can play, he can't shoot. Did people not understand Ben Simmons can't shoot. And the hard part is he used to not be able to just shoot threes. Now he can't shoot from 10 feet. I, I don't know what the range is anymore. He, for perspective, he shot 34% from the foul line. 34. That is worse than any stretch of Shaquille O'Neal's career. By multiple points. That's insane. He's not a beefy 7-1 center. He's a six foot nine athletic guard. How come you can't make a 15-footer? I don't get it. And I know you're going to tell me it's mental. Oh, it is. The same, but it's at the same time, mental. like... <laughs> I, I really don't get it. it, it <laughs> I mean, maybe look, it's mental, but it, it also feels like it, it's hard not to think there's, there's a lack of want there, which maybe is also mental, but it's hard not to think it's, it's a mental block, but also like attitude. Like he doesn't want it. It's something missing there. That could be one thing too, right? Cause he hasn't, it, it it's it, it, amazingly. It's almost like he's gotten worse since he came into the league, which he already wasn't, a great shooter, but then to be worse now to the point where the mental piece being, he doesn't want to take shots. Like he doesn't even attempt a wide open dunk in the fourth quarter of game seven because of the risk somehow of maybe not making the dunk and getting fouled. Like that's just, it's two points. You take them. It, you can, he can explain it away. And, and or try to explain it away as much as he wants, but we all saw it. Everybody sees it. The video's there. He was wide open and he didn't take the shot. So clearly that's just, it's, that's in his head. And is it going to take, you know, a Mark Kell Fultz way, like just getting out of Philly to make things right? I don't know because, you know, Fultz looks halfway decent now that he's out of Philly. Was it Philly? Maybe it wasn't Philly, but this is two now. Uh, First year of a, of a, 35 million. Well, and that's going to be, that's, that's the real problem when you talk about him getting out of Philly is like, now you got to find somebody willing to take on essentially a a top 10 paid project. Yeah. At this point, you don't know what you're getting. I mean, he's so highly skilled in every other facet of the game. He's been able to get away with not shooting for this long. The problem is is he's a, he's a shortstop, right? He plays amazing defense and he can't hit. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, but and, his, his but offensive awareness, his, but his offensive awareness on every other aspect, like he's an incredible distributor. He just the fact that he won't, the fact that he won't take a shot. I, I was watching a team all year long in San Antonio that had no three point shooting, and it just lets people pack the paint, and that's all that's really happening is that you got a guy like Embiid who doesn't look, he really doesn't look like he belongs outside the three point line. I mean, I know he can make some shots, but I think he's literally doing that because he knows he can't just he can't completely exist below the three-point line because he's playing with two defenders on him because whoever's playing Simmons can just drop off. They do not have to worry about Ben Simmons. And that's, that's the real crux of the problem here is that you can, you can be a poor shooter, but a willing shooter, somebody who's willing to practice and take the time and try to get better, but you can't be a completely unwilling shooter. You cannot do that and function in an offense in today's game. Maybe if he was surrounded by a bunch of other shooters, you could get rid of that. But that's not how Philly is built. Well, if you can play defense starting at the free throw line, 
Yeah, yeah, that, that's the problem, right? Start, you, you start can, at the restricted area. I well, mean, right. he three won't shoot. There, but at the same time, yeah, right. Like, if, the, if there wasn't a three-second rule and there wasn't a defensive, uh, you know, uh, illegal defense rule, right? Yeah, you could well, probably sure, but, just But this is what I'm saying, though. Like, you don't even feet. have to, like, if, you are, if you're playing defense and you're worried about defensive three seconds, that's because you, you're trying to guard somebody or you're trying to protect about the ball getting you typically getting into the paint or getting deep into the post because there's a, there's a dominant post player down there. So you're hedging off of somebody, but you know that somebody out there that you're hedging off of actually has a chance to take and make a shot. So you're caught in this in between and that's where the illegal defense comes the illegal um, three seconds defense, whatever I'm trying to say, three seconds on defense comes from, but if you can literally just double team the guy down low, because you know, there is zero chance that you're the guy you're defending is going to take a shot. You, you're not even going to play illegal defense. You could just flat double team the guy. You can just flat double team Embiid or anybody down in the post off of Simmons. Anybody you want to double off of Simmons, and you could do it because he's no threat to even yeah. take a shot. That's a problem. Yeah, it, it's definitely a problem, right? Uh, I, I, I agree. And, and again, you can afford guys like that. You can't afford guys like that that make $35 million a year. You know, like... Fair. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and, and people like that are supposed to be three and D guys, not nothing. And D guys, right? Like that's what my, that's kind of my point. You're supposed to have at least a second tool, you know? And, and yeah, he's, he is an amazing facilitator facilitator, but the problem is your passing lanes go away when I get to play that far off, you know? And, and so a lot of that skill goes away when you watch him play defense against Trey young, pretty impressive. Like, honestly, really impressive. Um, but there's nothing on the other side. Uh, and you're, you know, and then, you know, Tobias Harris has basically ghosted the 76 for the past year and a half. Um, so he's laughing all the way to the bank as well. But anyway, it, it'll be interesting. I, I do think, I think that was a massive hump for Milwaukee to get over. Um, I don't think Atlanta's ready. I really don't. I, I, yeah, but I, man, they um, got, I think I, they're I, playing I really so loose right now. Like Trey Young wasn't even, and, and you may, maybe chalk some of it up to Ben Simmons, but Trey Young wasn't even good in Game Seven, and they yeah. and they found a way to win. He made a couple of timely shots, but he wasn't he wasn't making anything. I mean, it, I I I don't have the what he shot up in front of me, but I, I think it was twenty five percent. Yeah, it was it was pretty low, twenty uh, percent even if that's what it was, but something like that. But they're just playing, and, and yes, and part of it's because they were playing four, four on five on the defensive end, really. But you know, so we'll see. Milwaukee's a different beast, but it, it, I think if nothing else, this should be a fun, a fun series to watch. Milwaukee has a little bit of a weight off of their shoulders because they got past the team that everybody was supposed to lose to, and Atlanta's playing with nothing to lose. So that should be, if nothing else, a, a fun series to watch. Don't you guys don't you guys think that that um, Simmons is getting unnecessarily crucified, though, in a seven game series? I mean, it can't just be you can't lose a seven game series just because one guy is having a bad series. In my well, opinion. but it's not. Just no, I, that, I, I, on, I agree with that, though. I do. Right. Like, like, like they're scapegoating I, him hard. But absolutely. on the other end, Embiid's playing with a torn meniscus. He's playing on okay. one leg. Right. And like putting up pretty impressive stats. And so I think, you know, they need a second guy. And that's the problem because like Embiid is gutting it out, man. And, and, and Deetsman, I agree with you. There are some really 
unimpressive stats that Doc Rivers now owns all the records for. Um, and, and I think you got to put a lot on his shoulders as well. Like you don't get that many come from behind defeats and get to just come off scot-free. It, it doesn't work. Um, and, and so, yes, I think they're scapegoating the heck out of this kid. Um, the problem is that, yeah, the, the stats are ugly. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, it's not the, the new stats, though. That's the problem. It's not new. This stats, is not a new problem. Well, and that's, and that's, I guess what I was going to kind of go to is like, yeah, the stats are ugly in the free throw department, but I mean, in a lot of ways, I think they did a pretty good job of not putting him in a situation where he had to go to the line. I mean, yeah, he had 45 attempts, but I mean, if you're the second guy, you should be getting a lot more than that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, he, he led the team in, in assists. He led the team in steals. He was right up there in rebounding and blocks, especially for a guard. Like he didn't fill up the, the, the box score in terms of scoring points, which is maybe what you need because your number one guy's hobbled. But I mean, that's, he doesn't control Joel Embiid's health and Joel Embiid has been an injured player since he came into the league. So if you're rolling with a guy like that as your number one, you bet it's almost like what you said about Kyrie Scott. Like, you have to you have to realize that this guy is getting breathed on heavily away from missing time or being injured. So absolutely, you know, and, and I Maury and and Rivers should take the hit for that. I, yeah. I agree, right? And the fact that they signed this guy to a, a a max extension when I don't know anybody that that applauded that extension, they felt like they had to, right? But they signed him to a max extension. Um, you got to look in the mirror on that one. I, I, I definitely uh, agree with you there, Dietzman. And, and I think, because really what you're talking about is you're talking about a top 10 paid player who is a slight upgrade over Rondo. Yeah, that's right. I, I think that's the problem. You, you've paid him to be the second guy. Like if, if Harden disappeared like this and, and, and he I mean, actually was healthy and he played that, that would be like, he would be getting crucified as well. Like you've, you've paid Simmons to be that person. And, and this is not the first time that he's, that he struggled in the playoffs because, you know, we talk about this all the time. You can, he can get away with it in a regular season when a team gets to focus on you for a seven game series and scheme against you. That's when, that's when those glaring weaknesses are exposed and it will continue to be exposed because like I said, it would be one thing, Mike, if he, t- if he was taking shots and just not making them, that's, that's not, you can't really crucify somebody for that. I mean, <laughs> people crucify from Westbrook for that all the time, but whatever. I mean, but you can't really, if, if he was a willing shooter, but the fact of the matter is he, doesn't even want to take a shot. You are literally playing four on five when, when you're Philly and you're on offense. That's, that's where the problem comes in. And, and, and yes, because it's been a problem for a long time, it's easy for that to compound and it's easy for people to pick on them. So I don't think that you can put all of this series loss on Simmons. That's fair. But I don't think the individual criticisms of Ben Simmons are unwarranted. And that's the problem is that he hasn't, shown that he's willing to make that effort to get better at this one glaring. I mean, this, this guy could be a transcendent basketball player, but he just doesn't care to get better at shooting. And that's, and that's like, why, why that, that's mind blowing that he can be, he could be an incredible, an incredible transcendent basketball player. And he just 
just doesn't make an effort at it. And it's, it's crazy. Maybe he's been so talented and so gifted at other aspects of the game that he hasn't had to work that hard at the rest of them. It just comes naturally, but you can't get away with this and, and, and be a championship basketball player. That's the problem. You can be a really, really good regular season guy, but when doc rivers and you can say whatever you want about doc throwing his guys under the bus, when he gets asked the question, can Ben Simmons be the point guard for your team in, in on a championship winning team? And he says, I don't know the answer to that question. A lot of people say, well, that's doc throwing people under the bus. Well, maybe that's doc's MO, but everybody was thinking it. <laughs> He's just saying the words that you probably shouldn't say out loud if you're the coach, but He's saying what everybody's thinking. I think that's the part that makes it. Yeah, really but I mean, I think that I think that even goes into the problem. I mean, why is the guy not shooting? That's a lack of confidence. So, I mean, if you're Doc Rivers, you're just compounding the problem at that point. If the guy's on your roster, he's going to be playing. And maybe you can say that after you trade him. But, you know, I think in, I think taking that pot shot is is certainly not going to help the situation. I mean, at best, it's something that Simmons is able to shrug off. But if you've got a guy that already has that type of issue, then, you know, with all the piling on that he's going to be getting, I think you'd, you'd like to see the coach go to bat for him and say, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a guy that we, you know, I mean, you don't, you don't have to lie if you don't think that, 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 that that's the answer, but you don't have to come out and be so ambiguous because doc rivers isn't a new coach. He knows what, what he says is going to carry weight and to just kind of basically chuck the guy like that after your team loses a seven game series, when you're the number one seed to a five, I mean, I think that's, I think that's unfair. And it seems like, it seems like they're scapegoating this guy and they're going to run him out of town. And then he probably will fix his, his free throw shooting and they're going to be worse off for it. So, you know, that's what, that's what poorly managed teams that haven't won championships in an awful long time, like Philadelphia do. Yeah. Look, I, I, uh, I think there's a lot to be solved here. It's 24. You know, he's at least got three years to figure it out, right? Because he's got 35 mil coming for, for the next three. Nobody's, nobody's going to G League option him with that kind of price tag. So he's going to get chances. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think we'll see. Um, I mean, there was, a report, there was a report that uh, Houston was willing to trade him for Harden at the beginning of the season, Scott. I mean, was, he's got to be a player that you would that definitely pick. Were you? Yeah. <laughs> And, and again, just be, just because of this, right? Like it, it's hard it, as much as I would like to have a, a true point guard. Um, I think somebody, you know, like Eric Gordon is actually a, a, a better fit to run a Houston style type offense. Right. And so I, I didn't want to see the team get gutted. And the only thing you get in return is Ben Simmons because you go from scoring 130 points a night to 85. Right. It, that would have been a very tough pill to swallow if that was the gym of what we got. Um, I think we ended up getting less than that all said and done. Right. Um, but it is what it is. Look, I, again, I, I think he's got plenty of career ahead of him if, if he wants him. Um, you know, we're not going to get into probably the coaching conversation that I wanted to talk about, but this is not what good leadership looks like either. Beats man. I, I agree with you there. Right. And, and, and again, doc rivers has, maybe been gifted with the most talent of any coach ever. Maybe I mean, he's up there, right? Like go look at the Celtics teams, uh-huh. go look, the, go look at the Clippers. Um, and look, I know he's got a title, but the answer, the number in that column is one. And, and, and I would say, you know, we talk about, you know, how many, how many rings does Mahomes have to get to not be disappointing? I got to think that's disappointing, you know, for, for as, as much expectations as he's got, 
as great of teams as he's got, it, there seems to be a, a consistent under um, underachievement underachievement there. Right. I mean, look, let, let's say it, let's say it this way. He did not make it as far as Brett Brown took this team. So yep. what'd you get? Right. You, you gutted your entire front office and arguably you went backwards because now the guy you just extended for four years, the story next week is going to be Ben Simmons once out of Philly, right? That's going to be the story mm-hmm. in a week, right? It's going to be the draft day buzz. It, it, as soon as the lottery comes out tonight, actually, right? They're, they're, they're pulling ping pong balls right now. Way to date the show. Now I got to, now I got to edit. I don't know who did it, right? But by the time you listen to this, they will have pulled the ping pong ball. So we'll know, right? But, but that's going to be, the, that's going to be the buzz. So, Anyway, and, oh, I, and maybe Houston won the trade after all because they had managed to, to pull second. Who knows? No, anyway, they did. Man, I, but I'm with you, Deeds, I'm man. Like, you. I, I think there's got to be <laughs> there's got to be some point in the mirror on, on that one. Um, and I think Doc owes more to that team, right? He's got to do better with that. Well, anyway, um, let let's move on from from <laughs> NBA talk. Um, while we spend a lot of time on the Eastern Conference, um, go out west. Watch the Suns and the Clippers if you can stay up that late if you're on the East Coast. But watch that series. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Book's already filling up the stat sheet. Um, regardless of what Stephen A. says, he's probably not the next Kobe, but we won't touch on that one today. Um, Cruiser, what's going on in, in the wor- wide world of racing? Well, man, you know, I went to a race. I went to a NASCAR race at Circuit of the Americas since our last show. And I almost almost kind of forgot about that, but... No, it was good. And then in typical, in typical, he's just laughing. He knows what's coming in typical Coda form for me. It rained all weekend. That's pretty much what happens every time I go to Coda. And, uh, this, uh, NASCAR weekend was no exception. Um, Friday actually ended up being a pretty good day. It was just a practice. And I thought it was going to be raining all weekend, but at least it didn't rain on Friday. Went out on Saturday, saw, uh, saw the trucks, saw Xfinity race, uh, trucks kind of had a little bit of uh, stuff in the rain. Xfinity uh, was a little bit better in the evening. And then Sunday was a train wreck. Uh, if They had issues with visibility on the backstretch, but I do. And, and I know that the way that they handled it, uh, the way that NASCAR handled it probably should have thrown a red flag sooner. You know, they're going to have to look at, and of course, having said all of that, everything changes with the new car next year too. So will that, will that drastically change the way that they race in the rain. I don't know, but they have a major issue with they can. In other words, I think the deal is that they can race when a track is wet, but once you start to get significant rain, it's a problem because those cars pit throw such a large amount of spray off of the back that visibility is just, it's impossible. And that's why two wrecks, two giant wrecks happen right in front of me, which again, I think turn 12 is, for everybody, best kept secret or worst kept secret. I don't know. Maybe I'm letting it out. All the, all of our listeners will now be taking my seats in the turn 12 grandstands at circuit of the Americas, but it's I, as much as I love the challenge and then seeing drivers get challenged to race in wet conditions. I think that's about where they have to really draw the line is once it starts to drown and once it starts to downpour and once water really starts to significantly collect on the track, they've proven they can race in wet conditions, but once it's raining and once it's, once there's significant water collection, it's a problem. So I feel, I feel bad for the guys like, like Truex and uh, Harvick 
Custer and everybody that caught cut up in those wrecks on the backstretch. But if nothing else, at least they're taking the chances. They're learning. It's a, it's at the end of the day, like we talked about, it's, we talk about this all the time with sports. It's an entertainment product. So sometimes decisions are going to be made in the name of entertainment that aren't necessarily the best at the end when in reviewed in hindsight for competition. But I do appreciate that they're pushing the envelope, that they're trying to figure out where the line is that they need to draw because as everybody knows, rain delays are are worse than anything else too. You get stuck if, you know, at least with baseball, you can sometimes wait them out, but with race weekends, it's hard because you don't get to go back. So you, you're just, sometimes you have to push into a Monday if you have a delay and then that hurts fans. Cause some fans, you know, obviously you're probably only staying for the weekend, et cetera, et cetera. So anyway, long story short, I thought it was unfortunately dampened because of the weather, but I thought it was an awesome event. I, I really look forward. I hope, I hope NASCAR continues to come back. Uh, I would love to see that racing not in the rain for change. <laughs> Cause I think in the spring, at least they're obviously dodging the bullet of like, it's either going to be ridiculously hot. They do it any later, but you do take the chance of rain in the spring. But in any case, I thought it was a well put together event. I loved having all three series. I hope they do it again next year. And um, yeah, but I do also hope they, it's never going to happen, but as a person who's been to Dakota many occasions, I really, I really would like for them to have more paved parking. It's, <laughs> It's a mess trying to leave that place if it's raining. And anybody who's been out there knows. And if you haven't, just just be ready. Don't go go to Coda in the rain. Just be ready. I have but, not uh, had that experience. Uh, yeah. Not no, that, it's great. I'm like that that. Great track. Awesome to see racing yeah. out there. Rain makes it tough. You should offer to pay higher ticket prices if they'll pave the parking lots, Cruz. <laughs> I don't think. You can. I don't think parking, that's helping. Like they've. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, certainly not going to be me. If they haven't done it by now, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. Yeah. But I mean, uh, but yeah, so that was a good weekend. I mean, Scotty, uh, you said you watched some racing. I don't even know what to do with that. I, you know, what's funny is is <laughs> I've been watching a decent amount of F1. And the crazy thing about F1 is that, um, oh, now I can't even come up with the guy's name. Who's the, the Brit that wins everything? Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton. Lewis Hamilton hasn't been winning everything. He finished like 15th in a race. Um, and I think the same weekend as the, as the race at Coda, um, they, they were on wet track um, in, in their race as well. And there were people spinning out everywhere. Um, but yeah, I saw the craziest thing in the Detroit double header for IndyCar um, two weeks ago. The, the, there was a, a wreck. It was like a, phantom wreck right no it's dude, hit, listen, dude, hit, dude hits the wall it's jimmy right? johnson all right we all like I really no, but that wasn't who created the crash it, it uh, guy hit the wall on nothing he 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 ran into air and no. and just didn't slow down right no. and so e- either way so they red flag it with, with five laps to go apparently it was like 95 degrees in, in detroit and so the the drivers are all sweating so they they actually pull him off the track, right? And they and they go into the to the starting line. Will Power's been leading most of this race, and he immediately calls for water. These guys are just dying. It's so hot, um, and so they they turn off all their cars because the cars don't have AC, right? So if the cars are on, not only are they wasting fuel, but they're also just creating more heat, right? So they turn off well, all the especially- cars. Yeah, especially when they're sitting still. Those those things are not designed to to sit still for very long. Yeah, um, it's an oven. 
Yeah. It, it, it's sorry, you're right. You're right. It, by the way, I, I stand corrected. It was Grosjean's crash at the end that caused him the red flag. But there was there yeah. was so little time left in the race that they didn't necessarily want to burn the rest of the laps. Spending a ton yeah, of time. they didn't they didn't so want to burn it on red, which right. which you got a lot you got to love, right? Like NASCAR has taken a really active approach to try to finish on some version of green, right? And right, yes. And I think Indy was trying to do the same thing, so they pull the cars off the track. Which, if you're Will Powers, you hate because nobody was catching him. He was done, right? There's five laps left. He had a, he had a, a a second interval on everybody in front of him, and he had been leading that race for forever. So that stinks for him, but. He pulls in, they got five laps left. There's going to be two and a half two, I guess two or three under, under the pace car. So they're going to start it up with, with two laps to go. They get everybody started. His car doesn't start. I've never seen that happen. Like it literally, it, it, they finally got it started. They had yeah. to wheel it back to the pits. They pushed him out of the way. Literally the, the, the indie like race officials came in and they're like, sorry, dude. And they pushed his car out of the way. Yeah. And a guy who'd been leading 75% of the race just lit there and watched everybody pass him. This is one of those things that always happens. If you're like, if you, if you watch racing and somebody has a giant lead or somebody has dominated a race, there's always that, Oh God, there's going to be a caution at the end because it's the only thing that's going to cause the leader to lose is a caution. Right. And we, I already said there's an entertainment factor to all this. So, well, you know, maybe we throw a caution when we don't necessarily uh, might not otherwise throw a caution or whatever, but that's always the greatest fear. When you had a dominating day, what's going to happen at the end of the race to take this away from me. And it, and it happens it happens more often than, than I know the drivers would like, but you know, but it's, it's a, it's a terrible break, obviously for the car not to restart, but that's always a risk when you shut those cars off. There's so, there's so many electronics, so many things that can go wrong. I mean, that yeah. it's a very they low to replace a part. risk. Yeah. It's right. a very it low risk thing that could happen, but it definitely can happen. And that's, uh, um, that was a tough break for willpower for sure. Not something that would ever cross my mind, honestly. Like it, it happens in F one rather frequently where guys stall it out on those. Yeah, and you can't, you can't restart the car. Yep, yep. Right, right. Yep. So So it's not as uncommon as you would think, but yeah, it's not. It's there's not that many situations in a race where everybody just goes and parks and turns off the car. So that's you know, it was. Let's just say it was. It was unfortunate to say the least. Um, Good for the dude who ended up winning, like a first 35 year old first time winner, right? Like good for him for, for taking advantage. Um, and I mean, he had to restart and he had to, you know, protect and and do the whole thing. But, uh, that was, that was tough to watch. Um, something that was less tough to watch for me. Um, I, I know you guys didn't watch the much of the open, if any, but I'll, I'll hit on it just really quick. Um, there is no secret that I, I have no love loss for Bryson DeChambeau. Um, a couple of you don't couple of say. notes. Yeah, a couple of notes there. <laughs> One, the PGA would have definitely been within their rights to pair DeChambeau and, and Brooks Kepka up for the first two rounds of the tournament. And if you read my article from a few months ago on Tiger Woods, they absolutely should have taken advantage of the rivalry and put those two together. They have been publicly going after each other for months, if not years and you have an opportunity to have them both at the top of their game going head to head, it would have been amazing theater 
um, and golf needs theater. But that notwithstanding, um, as DeChambeau continued to try to hit 370-yard drives on holes that had no business uh, even being played with a driver, um, he quickly played himself up the leaderboard um, and was in the lead. Um, you know, with nine holes to go at the U.S. Open, would have been one of only a handful of guys to ever win back-to-back U.S. Opens, along with Brooks Kepka, and interestingly enough. Um, and then immediately, absolutely full-on 10-cup collapsed over the last nine holes and shot eight over par um, to, to finish his round. It, here's the, here's the, tough, the tough part. I want to relish in that, and it gets to the point to where it's like, it goes from like, you know, you, you root against the guy you don't want to see win to like getting a little bit sad. But then I go replay the first five holes in my head and I get to revel it in again. So keep in mind, he shot, I think, three under, two or three under on, on the front side. But this is why I can't stand this guy. He hit one fairway, maybe the entire front side, because again, he's trying to literally hit the ball over the golf course, right? Which doesn't make any physical sense, but that's what he seems like he's trying to do. And so he's ending up in all these crazy places on, on parts of the hole that he shouldn't even be playing. And he, he ends up in the rough. And if you've never played in, in four inch Bermuda rough, it, it's not meant to be played out of, it's supposed to be a penalty. And, and he just decides it doesn't matter. I'm so strong. I'm just going to play at it in any way. But here's the problem I have. He goes and he plays out of spots that he shouldn't be playing out of. And then he hits the ball. And when it doesn't come out perfect and doesn't do exactly what he wants to do, wants it to do, he complains at the ball, at the club, at the caddy, at everybody. He'll hit a shot at a four inch rough. And when it doesn't stop on the green, which by the way, almost physically impossible to generate enough spin to get it to stop on the green. He looks at his caddy goes, wow, that one really jumped. What, what do you think is going to happen? Like, that's the part that I can't stand about this guy is that he expects that just because he can hit the ball that it's going to do exactly what he thinks it should do every single time. And when he doesn't, it's what I see. And what I hear when that happens is what everybody sees when LeBron complains about a non-foul, right? So for all the LeBron haters out there, if you don't watch golf, that's what I see, right? I see the guy throwing his hands up, running down the court, jawing to the ref because he didn't get a ticky tack foul. That's what I see when Bryson DeChambeau plays golf. And it's not golf. It's robotic. It's ugly. And it's not fun to watch like at all. Um, so I, I don't have any love loss that he ended up collapsing. Um, I don't think John Rom's anybody's like favorite player out there. Um, but I don't have any problem with, you know, a new dad winning his first U.S. Open on Father's Day. That's always a, a fun little story there. And also pretty cool comeback story because two weeks ago he got yanked off the course with a six shot lead with basically a false positive for COVID, right? So like, you know, we can go round and round on why he could have prevented that all on his own, but at the same time, pretty cool to see, you know, that comeback as well. Would have loved to see Rory pull it off. He was in there for, for a stretch. Um, the young guns that I've talked about a few times were in there, Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa, they were in there making it interesting. Um, you know, so I think it was a, it was largely a good weekend for golf. Anytime, you know, Five, six under par is what wins the tournament. That's interesting, but not record breaking. And that's perfect. That's the sweet spot for the U.S. Open. Um, and, and it was great theater. At one point in time, there was eight guys within one shot of the lead 
um, on the final day. Beautiful, right? So good golf. The weather didn't get in the way. It was great. Scotty, <laughs> though, you did say that golf needs theater. And if you want theater, you have to have somebody like DeChambeau. You just have totally. to. Like, that's like, so you got to have the heel, but I don't want the heel to win. Well, but that's but the heel's not a heel if he's not a threat to win. He won last year. Like if he's just terrible. He broke all the like, rules and won last year. And, yeah. and to me, it's it's perfection because he, he I say break all the rules, right? He 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 doesn't want <laughs> he's to play the course. The game. He's he doesn't want to play the, the course the way it wants to be played. Right. Right. That that's essentially what I'm saying. And yeah, he's basically trying to hack the game. Right. So that's that's fine. But when you do that, as somebody who wants to pretend like I'm a little bit more of a purist, I also want to see you get burned every once and again. Because if it's that easy, that I don't want to see that work. You know what I'm saying? Like that shouldn't work every time. And so you shouldn't be able to swing out of your shoes for four days straight and get away with it every time. Um, and so it was to me, that's all I'm saying is like, it was nice to see him get bit a little bit. Look, he's a top five player. I don't know what his world ranking is right now, but he's a, a stud in the world ranking. He's the defending U.S. Open champ. He's won a couple of times already this year. It's not like the dude never wins. So for a major to have the heel get there and then, you know, get like double suplexed by everybody else in the field in the back nine is perfect. He was the previous defending U.S. Open champ. <laughs> why, why do you why do you say that? Because he's not because now. he just because he because just he lost. lost. Yeah. yeah, he was the previous. You can't previous. defend something that you just lost. <laughs> It's true. Thanks, Steve. Hey, no problem. Well, you know, yeah. it's like well, our. Uh, I, I've I've heard from people who really enjoyed our uh, conversation about Masters champions giving themselves the jacket. Yes. So don't know. So the I'm I'm okay with the golf semantics. Like I'm I'm liking this this trend that we're going on here. Let's let's pick this game apart. Well, <laughs> look, I uh, I'll just I'll, I'll kind of end the, the 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 golf piece with this. Um, it was really, really competitive, really interesting golf. And it went down legitimately to the final hole, um, which is for a major, exactly what you want to see. And the guy that won made a 30 foot putt to win. And the guy that finished second hit it in the water. Right. So like nobody lucked their way in, nobody backed their way into a victory. You know, Rom went out there and, and got it and he, and he, he earned it and he played his tail off. Um, all the way down the stretch. And so, you know, it, it's the way you want to see a tournament get played. Um, and for me, you know, yeah, a little icing to, to see Bryson, who uh, very clearly on his, on his yardage book puts his initials B-A-D on there, uh, very bright and blue, um, took one on the chin. I'm happy to see that. I could go off another 20 minutes on yardage books and how they should be ab- absolutely outlawed, but I won't. That's another show, right? Let's, let's talk yardage books. Uh, yeah, let's do a special. Hey, triple plays, 30 for 30 yardage books. You're giving me a hard time. But if you can't read a green and you're a professional golfer, we have a, a new conversation we need to have. It's, it's gotten a little out of hand. Anyway, well, gentlemen, we, we have been, um, I think, quite literally all around the world um, on this show today. So yeah. I appreciate it. There's um, a well-timed finishing line there, Scotty. I like it. Yeah. Nice. Really brought it to full circle. <laughs> and the puns continue. Oh yeah. That's what we're here for. I would say go check us out in all the various social media outlets. Um, but those are pretty quiet these days. At the same time, <laughs> um, 
you, you've obviously found us. So you, you know how to listen to, uh, listen to the show. Um, but if, if, um, you got sent this link or what have you go check us out at, uh, three play um, go subscribe, um, search triple play sports on, um, on Apple stitcher or Spotify, um, and go subscribe there. Um, and every once in a while we get something up on Facebook, um, and, and, and link over to the website. So, you know, give us a follow. It's a good way to, to, to stay in touch. Um, gentlemen, any parting words? Post, post a comment about yardage books and that'll be sure to get yeah, some interaction. It'll, it'll fire, it'll fire them up. I mean, at least <laughs> I, I do, I do like the things that fire Scotty up though. It's, it's, it's always, it's always good for a nice, uh, nice Mad Hatter rant. Fun side note. If you do hear this and you want to go post online, uh, my wife wants to have an entire glossary of ridiculous sports terms like turf monster and mm-hmm. ding dong deluxe. <laughs> Ding dong right. deluxe is a good yep. one. Yep. So she wants an entire glossary of those. So keep it PG. But if you want to add some comments to uh, the Facebook page, we can start a glossary of uh, ridiculous sports terms. Is is it is it just like just little phrases, or I mean, yeah. can it just be any anything that would be happened to said watching a sporting event? Yeah, pretty much. Basically, like if you imagine a very heavy eye roll from a woman walking down the stairs as I am watching a sporting event, exclaiming something, anything that would fall into those categories. Right. Fair, fair um, enough. But, but yeah, I, f- I forget uh, who it was, but somebody got attacked by the turf monster playing left field the other day. And, and we had a good mm. laugh about that one. So, anyway. mm. Well, gentlemen, I, I appreciate it. Uh, Russ, we, we wish you a, a quick and speedy recovery. Um, we are tired of guest hosting this thing, so <laughs> we need our fearless leader uh, back and better than ever. Um, until next time, gentlemen, this has been Scott Hatter for Mike Dietz and Michael Cruz. See you later. <laughs>